0: Welcome to Trinity. We're a church family learning how to follow Jesus in the city of Nottingham. Our vision is to see the church on fire and the city alive. Hello, hello. So if you've got your Bibles, we're reading from Acts 3 verses 1 to 16. one 161 day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognised him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Okay, thank you very much. I'd like to invite our speaker tonight, Amy. Um, Amy's my wife, and uh, if you didn't know that, she was away for a whole week and a day in Australia recently, and uh, nobody was... Nobody was more happy than me to see her back.
2: Is <laughs> Just... it working? Am I on? No. Hello.
1: Yep. Oh, no, you've not got the twizzly thing in the top, that's why. What do, you... what do you mean, the twizzly thing in the top that makes it work? That one. Oh, I need the twizzly thing in the top. need the twizzly thing in the top. <laughs> Antenna? Thank you. Yay. <laughs> Sorry, I think. Let's twist it in there, love. How's that?
2: Good. Well, look, there you go. Yeah,
1: there you ah. go. Shall I pray for you? Yes. Great.
2: It was quite funny this morning because Johnny introduced me and someone at the end of the service said, I was worried that he was so rude to you and then I realised that you were his wife. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, we should clarify that we are married. Yeah, I hadn't yeah.
1: actually even been rude. Yeah, was, oh, you hadn't actually
2: anyway. been rude, no. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry.
1: Watch the tape if you don't believe me. <laughs> Father God, thank you so much for the word that you've put in Amy's heart thank you for what your words can accomplish when they're offered in humility and you put your power on them and I pray that as Amy offers these words with conviction and humility that you would put your power on them and they would release in this place life and peace make us ready.
2: Thanks, Johnny. Um, So, like Johnny said, I have been in Australia, um, which is a bit of a crazy whirlwind, because I was there for five days, and those that have been to Australia, it was like, (gasps) what just happened to my system? So, like, two days traveling and five days there. Anyway, the reason I was there is um, my sister and I run um, an event, like, for women called The Orchard, um, and we got given like this opportunity that came completely out of the blue to run The Orchard, which is a women's day, and we also did a leader's day out in Australia. Um, And so we were given this opportunity and we basically said, yes. Um, Why wouldn't you want to go to Australia? Uh, for any reason um, anyway so um, we went there and uh, and we had two days with one day where we were um, speaking to senior leaders female leaders across the country um, loads like a, a group of them gathered from all over the country and then on the in um, on the next day we had um, 250 women from across the country as well just come and gather. Um, And it was so amazing. It was so amazing, full of the power of God. When you sort of step back and you look at what God is doing and how he's moving in the room, it was like that awe moment where you're like, is this actually happening? Um, So anyway, I could go on, but I'm not going to. But um, when I was there, um, I met a, a friend of mine. Um, used to live in England, but actually has now gone to Australia and lives there. She's actually Australian herself, and she came to meet me, and I hadn't seen her for years. And uh, and when I um, met with her, we were um, it, we were some, coming towards the end of one of the sessions, and she came forward uh, to receive prayer. And. Uh, and as she came forward to receive prayer, I sort of pounced on her because I was like so excited that I got to pray with her because been for, you know, I hadn't seen her for so long. Um, and, uh, and I was uh, praying over her. And as I was praying, um, I was sort of praying, come Holy Spirit, and you know, asking the Lord to bless her. But as I was praying... Um, this particular um, tongue came into my mouth, like a um, a, a language that I began to speak that I didn't know the meaning of or didn't understand this language. Um, And so as I was praying, I I said to her, I said, this is so weird, but I feel I'm I'm supposed to speak this language, this tongue over you. And she was like, okay, you know, and I was like, oh, let's see, this is all right. Um, But it was so there, you know, I couldn't stop it. So I prayed this tongue over her, Um, And she started to, like, really cry. Um, And we got to the end, and we had, like, a bit of a catch-up, generally. Um, And she said that when I was um, speaking, it was a particular language that she understood. And she said what I was saying was her name in a different language, and you can do it. You can do it. Because she had been going through a really, really hard time, and she felt like the Lord was saying, Claire, Claire, you can do it. You can do it. Um, and I share that with you this morning because it's an amazing story. But as I was driving to church this morning, um, I got a text message from her literally five minutes before I pulled up here. And, uh, and this is what the message says. She says, hey, Amy, la, la, la. I have to tell you, that word you brought last week has completely transformed me. Like I've been born again, but better because the Lord's taken me on such a wild ride this past decade with having kids and making friends and theological study and international relocation and pondering the highs and lows in the light of the cross. It was a fresh revelation all over again, my eyes wide open. It's made me bolder and has taken me deeper and given me clarity over so much. It's just awesome. Thank you. Isn't that so cool? Thank you, yeah. I just thought, we're talking about the power of God today, and the Lord just moved the other side of the world with a crazy lady like me, speaking in a language that I have no idea what the heck I'm talking about, and God has spoken into the heart of this woman, and she's transformed. It's like nuts, but that's the God that we're talking about. That's the God that we're worshiping. That's the God that we can encounter this evening That is who he is. And so if that doesn't spur you in, then, you know, I was like full of faith this morning. And we are, um, we're going to be talking about the power of God in this wonderful um, piece of scripture in Acts, but as you know, we're in a a series and we're calling it the Jesus Revolution, um, where we are looking through the book of Acts and we're simply asking the question as a church, what would it look like for a move of the church in the spirit, in the power of the spirit, what would that look like? And so, where best to go when looking at, you know, and looking into this, we're looking into the early church and looking through Acts and seeing what we can learn and discover as we uh, go through Acts. So if you've missed any uh, any of these last, I think we've in week three, you can go back and look via the podcast and YouTube and all that good stuff and have a bit of a catch up. Um, but today, here we are in Acts three. So, if you want to get your Bible out, we're going to, or scroll around. Well, don't scroll around, but you know, have it up. Um, then we are going to be looking uh, at this passage, sort of, for the next eight minutes. <laughs> ah, okay. So the context here, then, in Acts three, uh, is at this point. This point, uh, Jesus has been on the scene. He has been crucified. Um, and he's risen from the dead. And, uh, and he spends 40 days. So he's risen from the dead, just that small thing. Uh, and he then spends 40 days um, with his disciples. And he basically spends time with them, giving them fresh instructions about how to live when he's not there, basically. How to live. And uh, the night before, the right before, Jesus then ascends into heaven, which basically means to go back and be with the Father in heaven He says to the disciples to wait. He says, Wait in Jerusalem. And you'll pick this up in Acts 1 if you go back. Um, It says, Wait in Jerusalem for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so they do. So the disciples then wait. Uh, They're waiting in this upper room for this gift to come. uh, And. We get to Acts 2, Pentecost, which is a Jewish festival, and they're waiting in this room, waiting for this power to to come. And sure enough, they are filled with the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, we read there are tongues of fire. It sounds amazing. Uh, Powerful stuff is happening in that room. And so when we get to this encounter with Peter and John, this is the first encounter after Pentecost. So that's just happened. And then we read this. This is uh, the sort of first miracle after Jesus' ascension. And so what we are discovering here then is that Pen- at Pentecost, everything changed. Everything shifted at Pentecost. We're going to look at why really briefly. Why? It's all about the Holy Spirit, and we read about the Holy Spirit throughout the Scriptures. Uh, We see the work of the Holy Spirit throughout the Old Testament right at the beginning. Uh, If you're familiar with uh, Genesis, we read in Genesis that um, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters before creation, that the Holy Spirit was bringing order out of chaos You know, the water symbolizing chaos is bringing order out of uh, chaos. We then read about the Holy Spirit, um, that that God breathes ruach, which is in Hebrew. Um, The word is spirit, the breath of God into humans. And then life is formed. It's the Spirit of God that breathes, that sustains us. We then see throughout the Old Testament scriptures that the Spirit then um, was... uh, would come on special people at specific times for specific purposes. And so if you read through the Old Testament, you'll see that um, the Holy Spirit comes on the prophets and the judges and the kings and, uh, and the priests. And we often read that it's, you know, the, the, the scriptures say, and the Spirit of God came upon them, dot, 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 and then they did like amazing things. So the Holy Spirit would come upon these special people for special purposes at particular times for something extraordinary to happen. And so what we see here is the Spirit was therefore limited, and limited to these specific moments, these special people, all that good stuff. However, as we read on, the Father promises a new thing. He promises a new thing. And as we go through uh, the Old Testament, we learn that God is promising... A new thing that is much more personal, that is intimate. He he isn't content at arm's length. God never is, by the way. The Father is never content at arm's length. But he knew that he needed to make the move. He knew that us humans, we are unable and were never going to be able to live the life that he intended us to live without his intervention without his help. And so then we read uh, through the prophets, if you're familiar with the scriptures, we then read through the prophets um, that they are beginning to prophesy this new way. In Ezekiel, one of the prophets, he says, I will give you a heart, uh, speaking of God, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you And move you to follow my decrees and be careful to obey my laws. And then we hear from the prophet Joel. Again, he's making it even more personal. And he prophesies. He says, I will pour out my spirit, God says. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Basically, they're prophesying that one day everyone will get to play, not the special ones. Everyone, everyone will get to play, and then nothing. All these prophecies speak this into, All these prophecies are spoken into being, and then nothing for three hundred years. All of this lays dormant, three hundred years, unfulfilled, until Jesus. So Jesus, then, fast forward, New Testament. Jesus arrived. And with the coming of Jesus, we see an increased activity of the Holy Spirit, don't we? And we read in uh, Jesus' baptism that Jesus was baptized. And we, we read about the dove, you know, the dove, that's the, the, the Holy Spirit coming upon him like a dove and being filled. And the voice of God coming onto Jesus. Uh, You know all of that good stuff. We read, don't we, that um, John the Baptist um, says, "You know, I I only I only baptise with water, but one will be coming where you will be immersed, immersed in the Spirit. That you'll be filled with the Spirit through the power of Christ." So Jesus also then promises this Himself. He promises this throughout the New Testament to His disciples that all who believe in Him will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so then we get to Pentecost, that he's promised this, they know this is all coming, and we get to Pentecost. This longed-for promise. I don't think we will ever understand the, um, the anticipation. I don't think we'll ever get it. You know, these, they know the scriptures. They know the prophecies. This longed-for promise of the intimacy and the power of God falling upon them at Pentecost. It's like this longing fulfilled as they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And this completely and utterly transforms this group of people. You know, they were previously in a room, like I said, you know, waiting. And when you read, this, read it, they're, they're nervous, they're scared, they don't know what's going on. And when the Spirit comes and fills them, they become bold and courageous And so what we see at Pentecost is everything changes because we all get to play. The Spirit is poured out for everyone, for all people, for every single person in this room. The Holy Spirit is on offer for you. An invitation to be filled with the power of God is now for everyone. And so that's the amazing news. It really is incredible news. And I want to ask the question then, how? So we hear about, you know, the same power that conquered the grave lives in us, that we are hosts of the presence of Jesus, that we have this power. How on earth do you begin to step into it? What does it look like to step into this authority that we've been given in Jesus? I believe that Acts 3 is basically the demonstration of one of the key manifestations of the presence of the Holy Spirit, his power, I believe it reveals to us in this scripture how his power works and how we are invited to incorporate. So Peter and John, they are walking to a worship service, a very ordinary thing that they would do. Peter and John are very ordinary people, as we we know. And so straight away, this is a fruit of Pentecost, This isn't a spectacular event. This isn't special people. Already, this is an ordinary scene with ordinary people seeing the extraordinary. And what we learn through this interaction is the key learning is that power is displayed in human weakness. This is what the scripture is saying. That power is displayed in human weakness. Firstly, Peter says, Silver and gold, I don't have. The person who is able to say, In the name of Jesus, walk is the person who is able to say, Silver and gold, I do not have. Peter says, I can't offer you anything of human value. Peter's laid down his wealth. Worldly strength and prestige. He's laid it all down. He has nothing to offer. And in Peter's emptiness, in his so called emptiness, he carries the greatest power. Do you see that? He's carrying the greatest power, Jesus. And this takes me back to, uh, it takes me back to 2 Corinthians, where Paul writes a letter to the church in Corinth. Um, and this letter, they basically, the, uh, the church in Corinth, have, uh, Corinth has, have kind of lost respect uh, for Paul because he lacks worldly wisdom. You know, he's, he's poor, he's getting beaten up, and he's not snazzy anymore. And the Corinth, you know, church in Corinth are a little bit like, mm. you know, they're losing a bit of respect for him. And so... This letter to the Corinthians is Paul laying out his heart to the church. And he says this. He says, I refrain to boast. So no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. And then in verse Nine, when, when, he, when Paul has been pleading that a particular suffering would be taken from him, it's ta- it talked about a thorn in the side. He hears God say to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power might rest on me. This is why. For Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. For when I am weak, I am strong. He lays down his worldly honor. He lays down his worldly strength to find greater strength in Christ's power. I mean, it's so upside down. The gospel is so upside down. The power of Christ is so upside down. And I don't think we fully grasp it we can think so often i do that that the christian being a christian depends somehow on me like my expertise or our expertise or our strengths or church strategies you know five year plans but perhaps our even our holiness like it depends on us and what we are Learning here is that we are invited to lay down our human strength, our abilities, and our inabilities, our insecurities, and our securities, things we want to boast about, we want people to see about us, the stuff we want to hide in shame. This is an invitation to surrender it all to Jesus, to give your whole life to him, and we will find through this level of dependence lies the greatest power of all, his power working through all of it, making ways through the stuff that you want to hide or you want to control, making the stuff that you think is impossible, possible if we just let go and allow him to work through it. We will never, ever have the expertise. I hate to break it to you, but we are never going to be experts. We're never going to have it all together. And it's really important that we know that we're never going to have the expertise because this is power's address. <laughs> it's where power lies. A surrendered heart is where power is. We shared, uh, or Johnny shared a story um, a couple of weeks ago, and, uh, and he was sharing the story that we were um, we prayed for healing for one of our neighbors. Um, so this particular person um, had a really bad back, um, like really painful back, couldn't walk very well at all. And Johnny um, met him at the school gate and said, you know, why don't you come back to the house and, uh, and we'll pray for you. I'll get Amy to come and pray too. But what, I, what people don't know <laughs> is that I was in my pajamas when Johnny came over with this guy um, and I had just mopped the floor. I was mopping the floor actually and uh, I'm a pretty good cleaner, so I was, like, really going for it with my mopping. And so I was getting a bit sweaty. So it wasn't a good scene. In my pajamas, mopping the floor, and a little bit sweaty and grim. Now that's all grim. You're all, like, grimacing. That's nice. Anyway, and so he came to the door. Um, and, uh, and sure enough, Johnny just said, come and, um, you know, come and pray, you know, come and pray for this guy. Uh, and we prayed for him, and he was healed, He really, really was. I'm not even, like, exaggerating. I'm like, he really was 100% healed. His wife was here uh, this morning, and she was, like, completely gone. It's completely gone. This guy doesn't believe in God at all. Um, He's he's really just on a journey of figuring out (laughs) what this is all about. Anyway, all that to say, Johnny was catching up with him this week, and one of the things um, that he couldn't get his head around um, was the fact that I was in my pajamas. He was like, I don't get it. It's like she was in her pajamas mopping the floor. And then she walks over and lays a hand on my back, and there's healing. He's like, I can't. It's like the ordinary with this miraculous. It's like it doesn't compute. And I'm like, that's it. That's 100% what I'm trying to say. It's the ordinariness that meant that it displayed Jesus. He's like, who is this crazy lady in her pajamas? Obviously, she didn't heal my back. Yes, no, I didn't. It displays the power of God in the ordinary. That's where the power lies, in the weakness of human frailty. This is the condition he wants us in. It's the condition he wants us in. It's the only, he's the only one who can qualify us. He's the only one who can qualify us. And it doesn't depend on us. This should be such wonderful news. It doesn't depend on us to step out boldly in faith that God can move. You know, my prayers at the moment, my regular prayers at the moment, are things like this. Lord, come into this moment. Lead me today. I give this situation to you I give this relationship to you. I give my children over to you. I give this day over to you, work it for your good. Can you see the room in these prayers? You know, they're full of saying, over to you, Lord. It's like, have your way, Lord. It's not like, do this thing for me. Can you see how small we can make him? This is the way that we pray when we're depending upon him because we're saying, your ways are better. Come in, come in, come in. Work through me, work through my day, work through my relationships. Work in this suffering, work in this healing. Work, work, work. This is the prayer of dependence. It's the prayer of saying over to you, work your work your ways through me. Allow his grace to be sufficient. Listen to the voice of grace that says you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be a perfect friend. You don't have to be a perfect daughter, son, husband, wife, mother, daughter, because he is. Can you hear the room, the grace, the freedom in that space? And he's inviting us into that. Secondly then, Peter then says, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus, walk Peter knows who he carries. He knows who he carries with him everywhere, always, that Jesus is enough. And we read, didn't we, just now that uh, Peter, in his speech afterwards, you know, he's talking and he's saying, why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? By faith in the name of Jesus. Jesus. This man whom you see and now has been made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him. This man needed Jesus, not wealth. Peter recognized that Jesus is who he needs that nothing else can provide and bring the healing this man needs, physical, emotional, spiritual, all of it, only Jesus. And if I think about it myself, and I'm sure for us, how tempting it is to offer our worldly resources to people, our worldly wisdom, instead of depending upon the spirit within us to guide us and work through us. The world needs Jesus. And so I guess the question for us is, do we believe the world needs Jesus? Really, honestly? Do we really believe that the world needs Jesus? And do we believe that we carry him everywhere we go? You know, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about this in Ephesians 4 that we limit the power of the Holy Spirit in and through us by honestly just doing our own thing. We limit him by wanting to stay in control. You know, this isn't condemnation. He doesn't smack us over the hand. It's like I've got so much more for you. If you just open yourself and give me everything. See what I can do in your life. That is my story. When I became a Christian, I was filled with the power of God, and it changed everything. And my life has been a journey of basically him saying, take my hand and see what I can do. And so I just want to testify that I have taken his hand, and he has led me in places and opened up situations that I didn't even for a million years, you know, would never ever have thought possible. And so I, I just, I guess I ask you to take that risk. Take his hand, give him everything, and see what he can do in a surrendered life. It is so beautiful. It's so much more wonderful than you can possibly imagine. And he's just saying, trust me, that was slightly off track. Uh, And I believe it really matters, I I really believe it matters that we are, and become a surrendered church, a dependent people. I think at times, you know, the the enemy has lulled the church into the world's approach uh, of what success is, or what value is, or what strength is and in so doing i think we've it's easy to lose the power of god because if the power of god lies in weakness and surrender and dependence and sacrifice and sacrificial service and love and lower and lower if we're not doing that we're losing the power of god in the church because we're wanting to see the same worldly success There's so much power when we sacrifice our lives to Jesus. When we are willing to do whatever he wants, not your will, not my will, but yours be done. That's where authority lies. I have so many conversations with people where they're like, how do I get more authority? I want to have more authority. Die. (laughs) Give up. Give up trying. Surrender it. Allow him in. Say, over to you, Lord. I'm happy in the mystery. This is so much bigger than I can see. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your peace goes beyond understanding. You know, when you look up, gain the authority of Christ because you stop trying to live in your own strength. Authority lies in surrender. It lies in dependence. And that is a powerful church. That's a powerful army that goes out saying, all right, Lord, use me, use me. Why don't we stand? I'm going to pray. Maybe just where you are. There's a lot of words there and maybe just, Put your hands out in front of you. It's just, again, it's no magic in that. It's just an embodiment. It's saying with our body, um, I'm open, Holy Spirit. I'm open to you. We're simply just going to ask, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh. The church needs Your power, not our power. We need you, Lord. So we ask that you would come. Would you rid us of ways in which we want to remain strong in our own abilities? And we lay them at your feet now. Things we want to control. Things we're afraid to give up. Maybe whatever comes to mind, just lay it down again this evening. Say, I want to step into your power, Lord.